And, and so often what happens is the business owners get stuck in their business. They get stuck doing so much of the reacting to the business and they think, man, I've done a lot of activity, but maybe what they're doing is just stirring up dust. And they're on this hamster wheel of feeling like they're doing a lot, but it's not actually moving the business forward. Welcome to Making It to Market, the podcast where we discuss everything about taking your product or service idea through to commercialization. I'm your host, Dahlia Collada. Are you spending countless hours working on your business, making that widget or making that sale? When was the last time you took a vacation? It's been years for me. Well, what happened to your business the last time you got sick? Did everything come to a complete standstill? Do you think you've set your business up for growth and scalability? Well, the next four episodes will be part of a series that you'll want to hear in order. There's so much to learn from today's guests, so stick around so you can hear more about what's happening on the next episode. Today, we'll be discussing the difference between working on your business versus in your business, a concept that I became aware of only a couple years ago. You don't want to miss the key takeaways from this guest expert, Guess what? At the end of today's episode, we're featuring an indie musical artist. Information, links, and a transcript from today's episode are available in the show notes. Let's get into it. Joining me today is an industry expert you have got to meet. He is seriously multi-talented. Our guest has a diverse background as an entrepreneur and has run several businesses of his own, including a Hall of Fame award-winning professional photography and cinematography business. With his executive finance and leadership expertise, he quickly doubled the business of a Fortune 500 company. He has extensive acquisition and reorganization experience and has tremendous passion and gift, quite frankly, for helping businesses develop scalable systems that increase not only efficiencies, but also profitability. He's not only worked with startups, small businesses, international corporate companies, but also nonprofits. His approach is very systematic and objective-driven through KPIs and metrics, leveraging trend management. He supports business leaders in any industry and at any stage of their business lifecycle to move closer to what they define as success. Today's guest is the CEO business and executive coach at Action Coach of Mid-Central Texas. Reagan Patterson, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Dahlia. What a what a fantastic intro. I appreciate that. And, and I'm extremely honored and grateful to uh, be here today and to be requested to spend some time with you. So we've got a lot to talk about today. We're going to kind of go break it down into pieces. But before we get started... Um, I heard that you're an amateur comedian that can also sing and do photography all at the same time. I, I, um, rumors are, (laughs) you know, unconfirmed. I I like to say I'm an out of work comedian. (laughs) Well, I know you've done the photography thing and video. I've known you for quite some time. How long have I known you now? It's like 15, how long? Um, I, I think. 16 to 17 years almost. It's been, quite, crazy. been quite a bit. And I've seen you work in a variety of I don't know, adventures, I guess you could say. Um, and what I love about Reagan is he's got the 
best personality. Like he can, you can be in a bad mood and Reagan will just smile and that's it. You know, there are no words have to be exchanged. Reagan is like the most pleasant person I've really, honestly, I think I've ever met. So, and, and what, what matters there is that with what Reagan does, personality and getting people to buy into a leader like that, that can really be genuine and fun, um, actually can drive a cultural change in a company. What do you think about that? Well, first of all, thank you very much. Um, I, I do want to uh, say praise God for that because I recognize that my talents are given from him. Um, so thank you for that. That's a, an incredibly kind uh, compliment. Um, but I, I think you're absolutely right. I think um, being genuine, especially in this day and age, uh, is incredibly important. People need to understand why they're doing what they're doing. People need to feel appreciated and valued. And so being genuine, taking time to invest in people, taking time to uh, learn a process or something about what that individual needs. Because mm -hmm. we're all driven by different desires. Oh, absolutely. We all, we all have different things that we are striving for in our life. And that's why you, you so well articulated in my intro. Um, I don't have one vision of success that I try to project on an individual. Um, and even, even an organization, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point too, you have organizational goals where you have to have some commonality, but the individual will still have to, they, they have their own definition of what they're striving for and what their success is. And so the yeah. trick there is finding synergy to combine those talents and those strengths within organizations. And, and that does come from, from strong leadership, it comes from mm -hmm. intentionality, and it comes from uh, really a care and, and, and investment in, in the individual. Yeah, it's a genuine care. So tell me about the photography, the photography business that you had and the cinematography. How did that even get started? And what's it, where, what's your, what's been your life cycle? What's happened from the beginning to now? And oh my, how much time do we have? We've got as much time <laughs> as you want. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so. I guess, uh, from an early age, uh, and I'll attribute it to John Grissom reading the firm. I wanted to be an attorney. Um, I probably even before that was, was kind of drawn to speak up for those who could not speak for themselves and, um, to really, I, I enjoy complex issues and problems and trying to gain clarity out of ambiguity and, um, and really just have a passion for helping people and, and being a leader to, show strength and direction. Um, decided not to go to law school when I was, I, I graduated with a, a bachelor's in accounting, was intending to go to business law and um, just kind of looking at the market at that time, decided, you know, there's probably uh, could do law, but I didn't really want to have the appetite for the legal debt that was going to accompany the law school. And um, also the market for attorneys was not overwhelmingly positive at that time. So I uh, decided to go into corporate finance. Uh, while in corporate finance was, was, um, was had a kind of the way I would describe myself as a dichotomy of sorts. I have this one part of my being that wants the, the security of a corporate job, paycheck, benefits, 401k. Um, and then another side of me that really wanted the, the entrepreneurial mm -hmm. passion and vision to do my own thing. Yes. And, um, I know that you know, real well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's, that can be kind of the, the struggle to find your way, right. To chase the, uh, the elusive American dream, which 
isn't really a destination, but a journey. So we're, we're kind of in that dream right now. Um, the, uh, the interesting thing, I, I, I kind of, when I, when people hear that I'm an accountant, I also say, well, I'm an accountant with a personality. And then mm -hmm. I have a pause. It's a pregnant pause for comedy's sake. <laughs> and then I say, okay. which should I put the should I play the laugh track now? Yes, go. Yeah. Well, hang on. It's here's the punchline. I'm an accountant with a personality. I'm an accountant with a personality, which makes me a unicorn. Oh. You laugh track. There you go. All right. Yes. <laughs> See, I, I often say that jokes are much better when you have to explain them. So I do appreciate. You allow yeah, me you've to got a lot of explaining yes. to do. What yeah. What do you mean? You're a unicorn. Well, I think we're all unicorns. We yeah, are. But... We are. It's a. It's a. Um, it's a slight at the accountant profession, right? Because you know some accountants are um, extremely detail oriented. Uh, everything's black and white. Um, you know, and, and I knew quickly in my uh, accounting career and what I wanted to do, I did not want to be a specialist that just did, for example, fixed asset transactions or, or just did inventory transactions. I wanted to be much more involved with the general business management and strategic development of, of, um, financial models and strategic planning and, budgeting, forecasting, and then looking at M&As for, for mergers and acquisitions. So I, I wanted to be very, um, very much more of a generalist than a specialist in the mm -hmm. accounting field. Um, so while I was going through that, being an ambitious individual, I said, well, let's start another business. And really where that started was um, our first, uh, first year of marriage in 2008. Uh, my wife and I went to Italy and that was our honeymoon that was delayed honeymoon but it was still nonetheless uh, a fantastic honeymoon and so we bought a uh, a dslr camera mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think it was uh, an astounding probably 780 dollar investment mm -hmm. and i thought well <laughs> gosh i you know i i took uh, i took some i was the family photographer for vacations and things like that <laughs> on one of the very first dslrs that came out probably in 2001 2002 and mm -hmm. so in 2008 said all right well i'm i'm gonna buy this at that time this was a, a decently expensive camera and it was a i think it was a canon rebel t1i so i'm, I'm <laughs> dating that camera i'm dating myself now um, it's a fun camera yeah yeah uh, with the kit lens and 18 to 55 variable aperture lens i mean <laughs> but it's the reality is that's everyone starts somewhere. So we, we started with that and I said, well, let me take some photography jobs to, um, to pay for the camera. And, and then, um, we, I remember exactly where I was, I was on a, uh, an audit trip to Uvalde, one of our quarries that I was auditing. That's where my corporate finance position. Um, and I got a phone call from a lady asking me to do her family portraits. And I thought, is she, does she, has she seen my website? I don't have any real pictures. <laughs> I've got like nature photography and all this stuff. And I couldn't believe here was a, here was someone that found me online and wanted to pay yeah. $300 to, to take pictures of her family. And, um, I remember the first wedding that we did was, I think I calculated, we made like $3 and 80 cents an hour because oh, wow. <laughs> I went through and edited out all of the mic uh, the mic cables and the lights in the ceiling and the exit signs in the background just to make these pictures look 
really good and and they did but um you know three dollars and 80 cents an hour is not gonna make you uh <laughs> but it's practice it's good experience it is yep gets yep. you ready for the next day and the next gig that's right and uh yeah. and so at that time i actually started the business with another uh friend and um kind of quickly realized that we weren't um necessarily compatible with our drive for uh and or passion to improve um, and so my wife was actually our assistant at our first wedding and then started to say, well, why don't we buy another camera and I'll teach you how to take pictures. And I don't have any formal photography, uh, education other than YouTube and, um, a couple of classes that I took in high school. Uh, I, I went to one of those special high schools, uh, that, that I, I literally did ride a short bus to high school so it was a it was a magnet school that specialized uh -huh. in uh, oral verbal and i'm sorry oral written and technological communications oh that's very interesting yeah so it was part I wish of i had some cool things like that when i was growing up i just had the basics there was nothing specialized but that's so neat it, I, I will say my high school experience i was extremely blessed um i had a blast in high school we our hall pass was a video camera. We could pretty much go around campus and we would create short films or PSAs or. Wow. So that's it, so neat. Yeah. So it was. Is it that was, in Texas? Yep. Yeah. In San Antonio. Yeah. It's called okay. Communication Arts High School. Awesome. Yeah. Um, it, it was a, a terrific experience for me. I, I, I think I've leveraged a lot of those skills that I learned at a very impressionable age, um, even now in my career. So, so that was kind of, I kind of make, make jokes, you know, and, and that time we were, as we started to build our business and my, my wife came on board and I taught her the technical side of, of photography, which is extremely complicated when you're trying to balance exposure triangle and, um, you know, composition and framing, especially if you're shooting with a family, with children that are running around and, um, and then also talking to them and engaging them and posing them all at the same time. It, it can be, um, it's again, a complex problem, which I enjoy. Um, well, it's also bringing back that personality that you have that makes it, makes it all go a lot easier, right? Well, I appreciate that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was, it was a lot of fun, uh, as we transitioned and progressed in our career doing larger production scale weddings and we got, uh, very involved with um, the logistical coordination and planning of the day, um, and then we, when we kind of showed up, we had we had a, a minimum of three people that we would show up to weddings, and we all had uh, radios, and we were kind of coordinating with the DJ and with the the coordinator, the venue, making sure the bride and groom were ready because you know with it, it doesn't make any sense to start the cake cutting if the photographer is not there. So we we were an integral part of the day, and and as part of that we. We took our, we planned all of those things before the day of. Uh, what I always told my clients is, if I if I come up to you on the day and ask you a question, it's not what do you want to do next. Question is, can I get you something to drink? Yes. So because if I'm asking you what you want to do on your wedding day, I'm doing you a disservice, and that's not what they're paying us for. So, mm -hmm. um, so we we very much enjoyed that. We we uh, grew and expanded into cinematography as well. We saw that there there was a need in the market. Um, tried to outsource some cinematographers, but um, one of the things that again with with my introduction, which I very much appreciate how kind it is. I also know that I have a very high standard of excellence and professionalism. Um, and working in the wedding industry, that was one of the things that at times was frustrating was finding that same caliber 
of care and attention. And so we decided, well, let's just open up a cinematography branch and, and, uh, my wife will lead the photography team. I'll lead the cinematography team and we'll tag team and, and, um, ended up doing, you know, started in corporate storytelling and in moving images rather than just stills. Ooh, that's interesting. That thought is interesting. Storytelling visually instead of just words. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and, and honestly, the, the way that I approached photography was very much like if you're going to storyboard uh, a scene, you know, what are the stills that I'm going to need in order to tell what's happening in this scene? And so that thought process translates to film and cinematography very well. Yeah. Um, and really this, this was my creative outlet, right? Not only was I being able to pursue an entrepreneurial passion and vision, uh, but it was, you know, in, in corporate America, the most creative I could get would be a blank Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And you, and, and you've won hall of fame award for your business doing this, right? We did. Yeah. So we were, uh, we were recognized as the best of, uh, of award, which is given to the top 1% of vendors, uh, each wow. year we won that five years in a row. Oh, excellent. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. And, and it was, it was exciting. Um, and then we shut the business down. Mm. Well, how did you come to that decision? So it was, um, it was not something that we arrived at lightly. It was, um, probably a several year decision. And some of that was, um, as a, as a forecaster, analytical thinker, um, strategic planner, uh, I started to really evaluate how the market was, uh, treating tenured photographers and started paying a lot of attention to the people that were players when we got into the industry. We were in the industry maybe eight and a half years, maybe nine. Um, and a lot of the players that were, were present were no longer in the industry. Hmm. And um, a lot of the, what used to be the brick and mortar studios were being replaced. The photographer that you used is no longer your mother's wedding photographer, or you're you know committed to using that one family photographer. Um, and after being and shooting I don't know, hundred plus weddings. It, it is very taxing on your body. Oh, sure. Absolutely. So, so it was one of those things that, um, kind of realized, okay, what is our exit strategy? We would, we would, as we scaled our team, we would find emerging artists and we would train them and teach them. And after every wedding, we would look through shots and say, okay, what did you want to accomplish with this shot? And we would, we would basically go through and coach, right? We were, we were part of mentoring and building up our team because we knew that was going to help us provide a better mm -hmm. product to our clients. Um, and, and as part of that, we started to see a lot of our, uh, of our team start their own businesses, which is great. There's, there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with that. But when you evaluate the economics of the industry, barriers to entry are so low that you're going to invite a lot of competition innately, it's just economics right. 101. So the, um, even though we had invested 80,000 plus in equipment and gear and, you know, it allowed us to take higher end weddings, we still were, we were never going to be, um, the, the only photographer we weren't going to, it was going to be much harder to build a photography studio where we could, we could grow into business owners versus being the technical experts and executors of the work. Um, which doesn't fit my eventual goal for, yes. um, for life and for business. So, um, so it was, it was a challenge, but we did realize we need to step down and close the business. 
Yes. Wow. I know that's hard because there's an emotional connection. When you're an entrepreneur, there's an emotional connection to your business. I know they say, you know, you can't, but you, there is no matter what you, well, no matter what people say, there's always an emotional attachment to your business and it's your baby, right? And you nurture it and you invest in it and you sleep, breathe, eat it. And, you know, to, to see it kind of transition away from you is kind of heartbreaking. Did you kind of have a mourning period? Oh, for sure. Yeah. We, yeah. we kept the, uh, the web domain active for, I think two or three years after just because mm-hmm. I just wanted to know it was still there. Um, and and part of that too is, you know, even with my, with my professional education, with my, you know, strategic thinking, we didn't build the business the right way to be able to exit. So we didn't have an exit strategy. We didn't sell, we couldn't, there was really nothing there to sell except for photography gear and lenses and things like that, which, which we still have in our home because my wife is still a professional and commercial photographer. So we transitioned that business, but the the business, which was called Reagan Patterson Studios, uh, it ceased to exist. And certainly that was, um, that was a, an unemotional um, yeah. moment. What would you have done differently? Because you mentioned that you didn't have an exit strategy. What would you have done differently? That's a great question. Um, I, I probably would have gotten out earlier. Really? Okay. Yeah. Which, you know, we, I'm, I'm proud of the way that we went out because so once, once we won the hall of fame award, the next year we were, we were already scaling back the business, but we weren't even eligible to compete for, um, the awards because we weren't doing enough business because they have different oh. qualifications. Okay. So that last year was kind of like, well, we're not even eligible for awards. You know, we, we know that we're winding down. Let's just kind of rip the bandaid. And that's probably what I would have done a little differently. We, we ended on some good friends weddings. We ended, you know, at what we would call the relative, the the peak of our career. And we, you know, we had fun ending and closing the business, but, um, you know, there are certain businesses that if you're going to get into, you should just be really aware of what is the season that's going to play. And, um, I, I don't know that I would change too much of it, but I think I don't, I don't know that that industry and, and certainly there are people that are going to prove me wrong. And I, I love that because I, I love mm-hmm. when people find that creative, uh, that angle, but that, that type of industry, you really are building yourself a job and not a business. And there are people mm-hmm. that are happy so. doing that, but mm-hmm. that's not me. And, and wow. that's, that's where. I want to build a business that runs without me. I don't want to build a job that um, is even actually worse than a job because if I got sick or injured on a weekend where I was supposed to do a wedding, I'm not getting paid for that. And not only that, but I've really damaged my reputation. Now contrast that to a, a job. If I get sick or injured, I've got PTO. I've got other people. Maybe I can work work remotely, right? There's There's a lot of different things there that when you build a business, but it's actually a job, it's in fact worse than a job. I'm with Reagan Patterson of Action Coach. Stick around till after the break. You don't want to miss his definition of hopium.
you say that. So, um, okay. Two questions. One, for people who you're talking about seasonality and when to leave a business, what, if they're not in a photography business, um, is there, what, what kind of clues can somebody get to know, okay, I've done my time. It's time to move on. Like, what's the, is there a trigger? Is there a turning point? What is it that people should recognize in their own business on when to stop? Yeah, that, that is a phenomenal question. Um, and we're, we're transitioning now to what I'm doing now, which is business and executive coaching. Um, my coaching question would be, are you happy with the results that you're having right now in your life and in your business? And if not, what are the actions that you're going to take to improve, to have a different result, right? What, what's Einstein's uh, definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting something different. That's right. And, and often what I'll talk with business owners in the community and, and across the country is that they are just waiting for something to happen. They're, they're there crossing their fingers. They're there hoping that this next, this next move will move them forward. And a lot of times I'll, I'll realize that business owners are running their business off of feelings. They're off of hope. Mm. I, and I call that hopium. <laughs> opium. Hopium. Hopium is an extremely <laughs> dangerous drug to mm -hmm. run your business on. That's funny. And, and so often what happens is business owners get stuck in their business. They get stuck doing so much of yes. the reacting yeah. to the business. And they think, man, I've done a lot of activity. But maybe what they're doing is just stirring up dust and they're on this hamster wheel of feeling like they're doing a lot, but it's not actually moving the business forward. So what I do is come in with an outside perspective, come in with the uh, not only my my professional pedigree, but also the action coach system, which which allows us to zoom out and provide a different perspective, a 30,000 foot view of the mm -hmm. business and grade the business in different scale systems and different building blocks to determine what can we do to develop an exit strategy. Hmm. And how important is an exit strategy? Should everyone have one or is, and when do you start thinking about an exit strategy? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great question as well. Um, let's, let's talk about, um, let's do a, a quick analogy here. Let's say that you're going to do a road trip, uh, Colorado. Okay. Get in the car, you pack, you know what the weather looks like. Um, you start driving and all of a sudden you, you don't even have GPS. You can't buy a roadmap any longer. So you just start kind of guessing with, do I turn left here? I'm pretty sure Colorado's Northwest. You start driving and you know, my, my question is, do you get to Colorado? Maybe hmm. it takes you way longer, a whole lot of detours, a whole lot of guessing. Maybe you get there, right? So if we don't have a clear exit strategy, a clear goal with our destination, where are we going? Then it's really hard to get there. So now it's never too late to determine what your exit strategy is or what your destination is. And for some, like, like my personal experience with photography, it may be closing the business on your own terms. Um, and, and that, that's going to be kind of a harsh reality. And a lot of people yeah. don't want to face that, but I'd rather help people realize that harsh reality and allow themselves to be in their own driver's seat of their life and not just wait for the market to 
you know, force them to close um, because now they can be more intentional about what they do next. Um, but actually in our building blocks where we help businesses scale, our first uh, foundation piece is called destination mastery. It's determining what the exit strategy is. Interesting. So it's, it's the Stephen Covey begin with the end in mind. Yeah. Right. So along with that, you'll hear this concept of, well, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's a book I re there's a book that I read and I can't remember the name of it or the author. I'll have to go back and see if I can find it. But it's basically built when you start a business. If you're an entrepreneur, you've got to think about building your business as if you're creating a franchise. So you've got your SOPs, your standards in place, you've got um, cross training in place, you've got your brand image solid, and you're basically creating a framework for a franchise. And then you and that's how you think about scaling up and, and it also helps you figure out if you're working in the business or working at the business. Yeah, on the business or on the business. Right. Yep. Yeah. So it, is it the e-myth by chance? It is E-Myth. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. remember it, but yeah, that's a really good book. I've read it twice. Book. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Gerber, I think. Yeah. And I, and I, I think about it frequently, um, especially as we develop processes in my business, you know, we're always, I'm always thinking about how can we, how can we set a path for growth and scalability? Like you said before, what happens if I can't be there? It's, mm -hmm. and it's challenging for somebody like me because I'm, I'm like the brains behind all the formulas and running the business and getting somebody to do that unique skill set is really hard to duplicate. So what do you do? What advice do you have to somebody who's working in the business so that they so that they can develop the business? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it's we are not trying to replace the business owner. We are trying to grow a separate asset from the individual that owns the business. Now that's, that is, uh, when we look at it from that perspective and separating the individual business owner from the business, then what we're trying to extract from that business owner, like you just said, you know, they have the expertise, the knowledge, the, you know, they, their superpower is what has built the business. That's fantastic. We need to imprint that superpower, that knowledge into a structure that the business can repeat that we can have a systemization in there. And that way the, the market is consistently getting the same experience with the business, but we have to get the business owner out of the way in order for mm -hmm. the business to grow. It's very difficult for an entrepreneur who started something from scratch to accept that notion. I think it would be a lot easier if there was an established company who's had multiple management, you know, I think that's a lot easier because they're, they're just going to work. Whereas we uh, are doing our favorite thing ever, you know? So yeah. it's like, it's a totally different mindset. So, so it's, this is an interesting um, concept that I actually did a presentation on this a few weeks ago. And the title was why you don't want leverage in your business. Yeah. Right. So and, yeah, that's a and, good question. <laughs> and let's, let's start with defining what leverage is. So how would you define leverage? Leverage to me would be looking, it's a resourceful question. So like looking for resources to help me level up, I guess. Okay. So, so the way that that's, and that's good. I like that. The way that we define it is doing more with less, right? So more output for less input. 
So when you think about it from that perspective and you go, well, why would I not mm -hmm. want leverage in my business? And when you start to think about what's, what's your, so yeah. we have this formula in action coach, it's called the formula for success. And I'm going to share the secret oh, with okay. you. Okay, here we go. Everybody hold on to your seats. <laughs> yes, it's extremely complicated. There's a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot of <laughs> yeah, exponentials <laughs> and, you know, square roots and, and all of that. So <laughs> it's B, B, E. Oh boy. Times do, D, O. Okay. Equals have, H, A, B, E. <laughs> Oh, so B equal B times do. So what you are and times what you do is what you have. That's right. And a lot of times we, we can innately think of this formula backwards because people know what they want to have. Ooh, then like do that. they know what they need to do yeah. in order to have what they want to have? And do they know what they need to become in order yeah. to do what they want to do to have what they want to have? Right. This so, is like a like a trivia question. Like, yeah. can, can you can you repeat that one more time? <laughs> <laughs> what is the secret? The formula of success. Yes. Um, so B times do equals have. So when we think about this from a business owner perspective, right? Let's say so you've heard the saying. I I am a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur, which means I'll work eighty hours a week for myself. So what? So I don't mm -hmm. have to work 40 hours for somebody else. Right? Exactly. So let's say, let's say that let's not even say 80 hours. Let's say I'm working 60 hours. Let's say it's a light week. So 60 hours a week and I'm looking at my business. Let's say that my business is, uh, let's say it's 250,000 in, in annual revenue. So quarter of a million. And let's say my have is I want to double my business. Fantastic. Let's go to the secret formula of success b times do equals have well now i go well i'm at currently at 250 i want to be at half a million i want to be at five hundred thousand. so i'm going to double the business so my do needs to double right so i need mm -hmm. to go from 60 hours a week to congratulations 120 hours a week to double the business and at some point you start to have an honest conversation saying well that's not feasible yeah, things get lost in the process and you never get to it. And then you have a backlog and then you have anxiety and then you're like, I give up. Yep. Yeah, yep. exactly. And and so then you end up settling. Your have comes way down. Mm -hmm. Right. You end up settling That's true. because we we aren't addressing the B side of this formula. So if if it's you want to double your business and now you're going to work from 60 to 120 hours, right, you say congratulations. Hmm. You, you know what you need to do. Go after it, right? But if you're going to have a real honest conversation with yourself, you're going to realize that you can't sustain that and that, like you said, that the the product, the service will start to uh, deteriorate, which is going to hurt the business. Well, and I like the point you made too as far as your have definition is going to change. So you might have this big vision, and then as you start putting in the more do – um, your, your have is becoming less attainable. And so then you redefine what I, you know, make your have smaller, basically. That's right. So you don't really get to your goals. I mean, you might, but it might not be fulfilled the way you envisioned it originally. And then you're accepting less, almost like a status quo. Yep. Yep. And, and then by nature, you're not growing, which 
second law of thermonuclear dynamics. You, I know that you know this with your, your advanced I don't know anything degree, about right? that. Oh, please. <laughs> You're either, it's, it's either, things are either growing or they're dying. There's no mm. status quo. So if mm. your business is by nature Ooh, like not growing, then you're dying. And I really like that. If yeah. your business is not growing, then you're dying. That's right. So which which that's also a tough conversation for business owners to have because of the emotional connection that they have. And so when when I sit with business owners, I, I was was sitting with a business owner um, a few weeks ago, been in in her business for three decades. And having some, you know, part of my job as coach is to have some tough conversations and ask some tough questions. Um, and I don't do that because I enjoy, you know, conflict or tension, but I, I enjoy that because um, I'm, I'm asking a question that's going to help someone realize where they're at and, mm -hmm. and achieve more intentionality in their next action steps. So, mm -hmm. um, so with this particular business owner was talking with them and, and said, I hate team team is like employees, not, not team employees. I hate employees. Employees are oh. the devil. Yeah. And was a terrible attitude it, to have. It is. Yeah. Um, but that's, that was her perceptive, uh, her perception. Well, personalities are really hard to manage. It is really difficult. I mean, I'd say I've managed quite a few people in my life and it's, I think the slowdown in productivity and the slowdown in efficiency really comes down to personality. So it is difficult. And I can understand why she might come from that angle. But you can't you can't hire new people with that mentality at the same time. That's a bad that's a bad that's attitude. Right. Yep. And so so really, yeah, the the question. So I said, well, the way that you've done employees hasn't worked. Mm, it's her. Doesn't mean that employees don't work. Right. There's. What, there's yeah. 100 million employees in the U.S. So, you know, clearly that that the way that she's <laughs> approached it, the way that she's managed or built or led has not worked. But yeah, but I, I was having this conversation with her saying, look, you know, right now you're three decades into your business. You're you're basically recognizing that you've got to make a change. You've either got to become an employee of someone else's business, which she doesn't want to do. Mm -hmm. said, or you've got to build this to where you can sell it because right now you don't have anything you can sell. And she started to cry and said that she has tried to sell her business twice in the last year hmm. and has been unsuccessful. And I said, well, are you ready to take some necessary steps to change where you're at? And that's what we've been working on is starting to be much more intentional about building the business that is beyond her because back to the the b times do equals have if you want to double your business and it's not doubling your own hours then you have to become something different to do what you need to do to double your business to grow your business well, you can find Reagan Patterson on LinkedIn. His name is actually spelled R-A-G-A-N, and he's available on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Alignable. To learn more about his business, Action Coach, please visit MCTX, that's MidCentral Texas, mctx.actioncoach.com. I'm really honored to have you on today, Reagan. You've been so amazing. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. 
very welcome. This was uh, really enjoyable. Really appreciate you having me on. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you did, please subscribe to Making It to Market wherever you listen to podcasts or listen from our website, makingittomarket.com. Thank you for your honest five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And a special thanks to our listeners and show sponsors. Without your support, I wouldn't be able to do this. As you know, Making It to Market is a new show and I need your help to get the word out. Feel free to share links to your favorite episodes. You don't want to miss the next one where we talk about creating your company's culture. If there's a topic you'd like to hear, have a comment, or even a question you'd like for me to address, feel free to leave me a voice message on our podcast phone line. If we air your question or comment in an upcoming episode, we'll send you a Making It to Market t-shirt or mug. Details are in the show notes. Before you leave, check out this musical artist from Houston, Texas, who just played at South by Southwest, Sabri. Thanks for listening. Until the next time, make decisions that make a difference. Just tell the phone,